Mark Zuckerberg told The New Yorker the news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. So listen to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, the podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every day. In just 15 to 20 minutes, you get a rundown of what happened in the world of tech with all the headlines, context, commentaries, and tweets from all the biggest players. New episodes every day at 5 p.m. Eastern. Search your favorite podcast app for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Zenni offers thousands of affordable eyewear styles, starting at just $6.95. No ridiculous markups, no hassles, just quality, affordable eyewear delivered right to you. Visit Zenni today at zenni.com slash CNN. I'm glad we got to the right place. John Berman here in for Anderson. Those are the words of a Trump supporter and Republican strategist today after flags of the White House were lowered back to half-staff in honor of the late Senator John McCain. The question tonight, what took so long and why was the president still in the wrong place two full days after the senator died? What was so hard about offering a kind word or two as praise for the Arizona Republican as praise poured in from around the globe, friend and flow alike, playing tribute to the man? Because keeping them honest, none of this should have been hard. When a significant national figure dies, White House procedure is more or less automatic. It was followed recently, in fact, after the passing of Barbara Bush just a few months ago. The president issued a proclamation reading, in part, as a mark of respect for the memory of Barbara Bush, I hereby order by the authority vested in me by the Constitution and laws of the United States of America, that the flag of the United States shall be flown at half-staff at the White House and upon all public buildings and grounds, at all military posts and naval stations, and on all naval vessels of the federal government in the District of Columbia and throughout the United States and its territories and possessions until sunset on the day of internment. Until sunset on the day of internment. Senator McCain will be buried this coming Sunday. Yet this morning and for most of the day, White House flags flew normally as if nothing had happened. As if a man who spent five and a half years in Vietnamese captivity, survived brutal torture, declined the chance to be freed before his buddies, returned home to a life of public service and ran twice for president as if he were still alive. The flags flew normally today because unlike the one for Barbara Bush, no proclamation went out from the president on Saturday or yesterday or most of today. Nor did a kind word for Senator McCain escape the president's lips at first or his Twitter fingers when he posted this. My deepest sympathies and respect go out to the family of Senator McCain. Our hearts and prayers are with you. Nothing about the man, just about his family. He also tweeted about Tiger Woods' comeback and poll numbers. He boasted about the economy. But as for Senator McCain, that lone tweet was it. And as you saw, there was nothing in it about the man himself, which did not go unnoticed. And the uproar only grew when The Washington Post reported that the president had also nixed a formal statement that staffers had prepared, praising Senator McCain's life and heroism. But scathing as the reaction was, it might have died down had the White House simply done what it has traditionally been done at moments like this, what institutions around Washington and across the country have done, as this picture clearly shows. Passions might have cooled had the president offered more than just stony silence the five times he was asked about it today. Hello, folks. 
Thank you <laughs> much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Do you have any thoughts at all about John McCain? Thank you very much. Mr. President, any comment on John McCain, sir? Mr. President, why won't you call John McCain a hero, sir? So shortly after his final non-answer, the president did offer a statement, reading in part, quote, Despite our differences on policy and politics, I respect Senator John McCain's service to our country and in his honor, have signed a proclamation to fly the flag of the United States at half-staff until the day of his internment. Now, to be clear, the president's statement is hardly effusive in its praise, but it is something. And had it been his first and last word on the subject, chances are we wouldn't even be talking about it. The president, after all, did not like Senator McCain, famously so, nor did the senator have many good things to say about the president. That said, just as there's a tradition of lowering the flag at times like these, there is also a tradition of presidents sucking it up and saying kind words, even the passing of people they famously despise, such as Lyndon Johnson did when his nemesis Robert Kennedy was murdered. Quote, a noble and compassionate leader, the proclamation reads, a good and faithful servant of the people in the full vigor of his promise lies dead from an assassin's bullet. Now, maybe you see that as hypocrisy. Maybe you see what the president has been doing as just being honest about someone he's never really liked. Perhaps that's the case. But if so, why wouldn't he just say so and own it? He didn't. He said nothing. Or maybe someone at the White House just screwed up and didn't remind him that a proclamation was needed to keep the flags at half staff. But if that were the case, why wasn't the mistake, if you want to call it that, corrected this morning when Washington first started freaking out? And if they just didn't know that this is what you do when a significant national figure dies, why were procedures correctly followed back in April when Barbara Bush died? These are all questions which we don't have answers for tonight, questions for which we might never get answers. So as Washington mourns and stews over the whole sad affair, we want to honor Senator McCain the way that he wanted to be remembered in a letter written to be read when he passed. And so it was today by his dear friend and former campaign manager, Rick Davis. I've often observed that I am the luckiest person on earth. I feel that way even now as I prepare for the end of my life. I've loved my life, all of it. I've had experiences, <clears throat> adventures, friendships, enough for 10 satisfying lives, and I am so thankful. Like most people, I have regrets, but I would not trade a day of my life in good or bad times, for the best day of anybody else's. Fellow Americans, that association has meant more to me than any other. I lived and died a proud American. We are citizens of the world's <clears throat> greatest republic, a nation of ideals, not blood and soil. We are blessed and are a blessing to humanity when we uphold and advance those ideals at home and in the world. We weaken our greatness when we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalries 
that have sown resentment and hatred and violence in all the corners of the globe. We weaken it when we hide behind walls rather than tear them down, when we doubt the power of our ideals rather than trust them to be the great force for change they have always been. Ten years ago, I had the privilege to concede defeat in the election for president. I want to end my farewell to you with heartfelt faith in Americans that I felt so powerfully that evening. I feel it powerfully still. Do not despair of our present difficulties. We believe always in the promise and greatness of America because nothing is inevitable here. Americans never quit. We never surrender. We never hide from history. We make history. Farewell, fellow Americans. God bless you, and God bless America. That was Rick Davis earlier today. Late this evening, the president did speak briefly about Senator McCain. Joining us now from the White House, CNN's Jim Acosta. And Jim, the president just made his first public out loud comments about the passing of Senator McCain. What did he say? Uh, that's right, John. It, it turns out the sixth time was the charm, uh, and this was unprompted. Uh, uh, reporters tried all day long. I was one of those reporters. I tried to ask a question at that fifth photo opportunity when the president did not respond. Uh, but uh, later this evening, as you pointed out just a few moments ago, uh, he was uh, having dinner with some evangelical leaders here at the White House and the uh, White House pool, as we call it. They were in the room and the president going through his remarks for the evening uh, did make a passing reference uh, of respect. Uh, to John McCain. Here's what he had to say. Also, our hearts and prayers uh, are going to the family of Senator John McCain. going to be a lot of activity over the next number of days, and uh, we uh, very much appreciate everything that Senator McCain has done for our country. So thank you very much. And so... And so, John, you can hear the applause there in the room. It sounded like a lot of people in that room wanted to hear the president do that. I, I reached out to Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the White House uh, press secretary, earlier today and asked why it took so long. Why was it that they issued this proclamation uh, after they decided on Saturday to just put out that tweet? And she said that this was the president's doing and that the statement that he put out speaks for itself. But, John, uh, a lot of other things uh, spoke for themselves today, including all of those opportunities when the president had a chance to say something kind about John McCain and he simply passed up that chance, John. And clearly, ultimately, he felt the pressure, including from the American Legion. Jim Acosta, right. thanks so much for being with us. I do appreciate yeah, it. Now, someone who worked in Congress alongside John McCain then followed in a way in his campaign footsteps running for president in 2016 as the kind of conservative maverick John McCain tried to be in 2000 and 2008, Ohio Governor John Kasich. We spoke earlier today. Governor Kasich, when you think about Senator McCain and your own interactions with him, what will you remember most? Wow. I mean, he, he liked to laugh. Uh, he had a great sense of humor. He had incredible passion. He had strong faith in the Lord. And uh, he's just like a regular guy. I mean, it's all those things put together. You know, he's a, inspiring to me. You know, in some ways, even though we were, we were peers at one point, we were both in the House of Representatives together, I kind of felt like he was almost like a coach. You know, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to get attaboys from him. You know, he was kind of a guy you wanted him to, to give you some praise. And when you think about his life, I mean, my goodness, what that guy had been through and what he represented was just absolutely amazing. I remember being in his office not, not too long ago 
when he was showing me the picture that the Vietnamese had taken when they fished him out of the uh, fished him out of the ocean. Uh, he was really proud of that. I mean, it just the guy just did it all. He did it all. So if you always thought of him as a coach, you're going to love this next question because way back in 1998, we dug this up. The New York Times asked Senator McCain about you for a profile of Times was writing on you and your political ambitions. <laughs> right? Okay, get this. Senator McCain said you were quote a fine, fine young man, one of the best we have, but that quote. He has a hair-trigger temper. So that, of course, coming from a man who himself was known for his quick <laughs> temper. So now, you know, 22 years later, what, yeah. what, do you, what do you make of his, you know, I guess, cheeky description of you? Oh, that's, you know what, we, um, here's the thing about Washington that's really interesting. Sometimes you have to get people's attention. And I'd say that John McCain and I, in many respects, were, we're young men in a hurry, in a hurry to change the world, in a hurry to get things done. And when, when obstacles got in our way that we were certain, uh, certain in our own way, were vital to the, to the spirit of our country or what we were trying to get accomplished, you know, uh, we, we moved fast and, and we were very vocal about things. Now, you know, that was 98, so I've, I've gotten a little, little more calm, but I still have the same burning passion just like John did. And so... Uh, yeah, it was interesting he said that, you know. Uh, good, good, John. Uh, he and I'd have a big chuckle over it if he were here today. One thing I do want to tell you, I, I do want you to, to hear that when I found out he was ill, and uh, I did track him down in Arizona, and I did ask him if he was okay with the Lord, with the big guy. And he said, Johnny, uh, don't have to worry. I got that all taken care of. And that was important to me. I also called him when he voted no on repealing that, uh, that getting rid of that health care for Americans. And when I talked to him, I said, John, and sometimes he was hard to get, I said, John, um, you've always been my hero and never more than right now. And so, you know, it's great that he goes down with, uh, you know, with a 10 strike as far as I'm mm. concerned or a hole in one, you know, something to I just th- love the guy. So let me read you something that gets to what his role is in Washington and in the country. This is something Dan Balls from The Washington Post wrote. He said, his death was a reminder not only of the loss of a giant American in politics, but of a new time with new challenges for the generation that now must follow his footsteps. Will anyone pick up the legacy he leaves behind? So what about that? Will anyone pick up the legacy that John McCain leaves behind? Or does his style, his way of doing things die along with him? I, I don't, you're never going to have another John McCain. He's the real McCoy. But do I think that his life will inspire other people? We, we certainly hope so. We, we hope that, uh, that people will forget about so much about partisanship and party and all that kind of business. Because what McCain loved most is he loved his country. And if you always, when you're in a position of authority, you love your country above all else, you end up doing better. But I think there's one other thing that could be very helpful and inspiring to people. And that is wherever you live, whatever you do, that you can make a difference in the way the world turns. And that kind of inspiration we need because we need people where they live to begin to take matters into their own hands, to be constructive with other people, regardless of their philosophies or their political party and that other stuff, and let's make our world better. And I think John is an inspiration for that as well as to the major big shots. Let's also think about the people that drive our country, which are the real folks, who he loved when he would go to those baseball games. <laughs> 
Governor, I want to ask you about how the White House has handled its response to this. It took two days, two full days, to put out a statement praising Senator McCain's service to the country, not to mention the fact that the president was asked five times about it today if he had anything to say out loud about Senator McCain and refused to offer one word of praise on camera. What does that tell you about the president? Well, look, they've, they've moved the flags back down again. They're now at half staff. Uh, the president, uh, President Trump, put out some kind words. Um, uh, this is not the time. This is a time to think, look, what's happening with John McCain's death is all over the globe. Mm-hmm. People are saying we have a breath where we can be together. We don't have to be on the left. We don't have to be on the right. This is a time for us to be together and to have some peace and sort of call a truce to all the things that have been happening here that John McCain opposed. So I don't want to, all I can say is they're getting it right now, and thank goodness that they are. So you're relieved that finally they got to where you think they should be on that. Yeah, I think so. Governor John Kasich of Ohio, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for sharing your memories. Thank you. God bless. And the president, as we said before, did finally speak out loud about Senator McCain tonight. We have much more ahead, including how the president has handled John McCain's passing, perspective from three of the best political minds in the business, and later, a Senate colleague remembers a fellow maverick and independent spirit. Stay with us. Tired of spending hundreds of dollars for prescription glasses? Our friends at Zenni Optical offer a huge variety of high-quality, stylish frames and state-of-the-art optics starting at just $6.95. You can get multiple frames with this great pricing for less than one pair elsewhere. Start building your eyewear wardrobe from the comfort of your own home at Zenni.com. With the latest trends in eyewear, available in hundreds of frame styles and materials, there isn't a better way to change it up for every season. Plus, Zenni offers prescription sunglasses at incredible prices. Visit Zenny today at zenny.com slash CNN. That's Z-E-N-N-I dot com slash CNN. There's the White House tonight, the rooftop flag flying, as you can see, at half staff. And all that's been said about Senator John McCain, it's hard to find anything that speaks more eloquently than the action of a Vietnam veteran. His name is David Carrasco. He went to the funeral home in Phoenix where so many people have been paying respects. He did not think he'd run into Cindy McCain, but when he did, take a look at what he did. The video comes via the Washington Post. This was given to me at one of the ceremonies for Vietnam Veterans. It would be my honor to be here. I had the honor of finally meeting Cindy McCain. I gave her a, a medallion that I was presented to me over two years ago, when I during Operation Freedomburg, I had the uh, honor of going to Arlington uh, with uh, 39 other Vietnam veterans. And when she came out, that was the first thought that came to me. I wanted to give her something that related to her husband's service. He wanted to give her something because her husband gave him and the country so much. Joining us now, three people who knew the senator well, political consultant and writer Stuart Stevens, CNN senior political analyst David Gergen, and CNN chief political correspondent Dana Bash. And David, I had a chance earlier today to speak to former Congressman Patrick Kennedy, the son of the late Senator Ted Kennedy. And I was talking to him about the relationship between Senator Kennedy and Senator McCain. Listen to this. And my father genuinely uh, loved and respected John McCain. 
Um, it's an example of what we need today, again, and that is that even though they disagreed, they were always searching for ways to put their country ahead of their party. And it sounds so trite, but no, no, not at all. In these days that we're living in, we really need people to have that as their goal. So Patrick Kennedy says that's the goal, David, finding a way to reach across the aisle, at least on a few things. Is it an achievable goal at this point, or does it drift ever off into the distance with the passing of Senator McCain? Well, we've certainly lost one of the heroes of uh, bipartisanship and people who believe in bipartisanship. Uh, and he will be missed. There's no question about that. But, John, I have to say that the outpouring of grief and the pain of respects by so many Americans across the aisle uh, has been heartwarming. I, I think one of the things we've learned in the last 48 hours is that there's a millions of Americans out there who continue to respect leaders of courage, of candor, and of character. John McCain was certainly that, and people are rallying to that, the belief. And I, you know, that gives me hope that we can actually, with a with a, a new generation coming to power, I think that you're going to find a lot of people who are coming to power, especially veterans who've come back from Afghanistan and Iraq, will try to follow in the footsteps of John McCain. Let's hope. Uh, Dana, it's interesting. The president finally did speak words out loud. The flag finally was lowered to half-staff there. Do you think it was this pressure and this outpouring of emotion that David Gergen was just talking about there that ultimately made it just impossible for the president not to step up? Who knows? Uh, you know, the, uh, the American Legion was putting pressure on him, and veterans groups are very important politically to the president. Um, I know from talking to people who um, have, you know, have an affection for both men, uh, and those people do exist, mm -hmm. uh, that, that they were really urging the president to cut it out and act like a president and do the, the basic things that he should have done, which he ended up doing at the end of the day. And, and it's unfortunate. It's, it's a distraction. It's a distraction from the things that David was just talking about, from that incredible moment that you played. Uh, with the veteran and, and Cindy McCain. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's also a contrast that, sh that, that puts the, the, the way that John McCain approached things, not that he was perfect and not that he didn't have his flaws and not that he didn't get into to spats with people. The president is one of them. But when it came to moments like this, he put things aside. And the contrast is even more evident, but it is unfortunate. Stuart, were you surprised at all by what happened today or did this play out exactly how you thought it would? Well, I'm sort of beyond being surprised here. I just think it's really unfortunate that we have to have a, an argument about whether or not we're going to honor a great man like John McCain. And what it really makes you realize is not just that we've lost that man, but what else have we lost in the country in this moment? Um, if, if anything should be just an outpouring from the, the White House of respect, I mean, here is someone who is known across the globe, not just America, as a great American who embodies so many characteristics that we like to think of are the best of America. Courage, independence, this maverick streak. And it just, it's sort of inconceivable that there could be anything that other than just support for him. And when you're forced to do the gracious thing, it's never gracious. Hey, Stuart, can I ask you, because you worked on George W. Bush's campaign in 2000. You also worked for Mitt Romney in 2008 after briefly working for John McCain there. But you ran against John McCain, basically. 
What was that like? Was it hard to run against him? What kind of a challenge did he pose? Well, sure. I mean, John McCain is the, the comeback guy. I mean, it, it, the way that he came from nowhere in New Hampshire. I mean, in the Bush campaign, it, it is not an exaggeration to say that we were 66 points ahead and lost by 19. Now, that's hard to do. Um, and, and we also outspent him. Um, but that was a, a magical moment that he had in New Hampshire. Um, I mean, a couple of us, we used to sneak away and go to these McCain town halls up in New Hampshire because they were just having so much fun. Um, and it, it was something magical that happened. Um, he, he didn't end up winning the nomination, um, but he ran a, a tremendously courageous race in uh, 2008. He was completely counted out um, and came back, as you all know, and covered mm -hmm. uh, to win the nomination um, and did it with with dignity and uh, with that unique mm -hmm. style. There's a, a great a great man who had a special, unique feel mm -hmm. for the political world. Mm -hmm. So, David Gergen, there's an interesting short-term fork in the road in Arizona right now. The, the governor there, the Republican governor, Doug Ducey, has to choose who to fill John McCain's seat. And, and whoever he chooses will fill that seat into 2020. But people are looking at this for signals. If he will pick a Trump-like Republican or a McCain-like Republican. And as we look at this and see where the party is going, particularly in a place like Arizona, is there any reason to think that the party isn't with President Trump and that's where the governor will go? That's a hard question, John. I, I you know, Arizona, I would, I would assume before this that Arizona would appoint a McCain-like figure. Uh, but given the polarization that has, is occurring among activists in the country, uh, and the candidate who's there, who's been speaking out in sort of unbelievable ways against McCain, um, you know, I don't. I think it's a, a toss-up. I do think I, I would imagine that the person who's appointed will vote vote uh, to uh, approve. Uh, Judge Kavanaugh to join the Supreme Court. That's one of the most important things that person has to do uh, in the next few months. You know, but it is interesting here to look at this as a literal fork in the road, a literal pivot point because, for the Republican Party. Deanna, go ahead. Yeah, because what's going on, it's not uh, It's not a, a theory. It's actually practical. Mm -hmm. There's a Republican primary there for the other Senate seat that Jeff Flake yeah. is leaving tomorrow, and the Republican candidates are hugging Donald Trump as tightly as they can, not John McCain. And so yeah. that tells you everything you need to know about where the Republican Party is in Arizona, and it is, you know, just a, an anecdote about the shift away from the McCain Republican Party that we've seen in part, you know, really since 2007, like Stewart was saying, in 2008, when John McCain almost uh, lost the Republican nomination because of his very mm -hmm. deep differences with that base. So, Stewart, you know, you have worked in Republican politics for your whole life. Where, where is this going? Are you optimistic? Do you feel as if the party is headed where you want to? Is it going in that McCain direction? Or you've been very critical of Donald Trump. Do you realistically think this is cooked right now? Well, I'm not particularly optimistic, um, and which is unusual for me because I, I normally am, in that I just see that the, the, 
forgetting any specific issues, the sort of underpinnings of what it was that so many of us were drawn to the Republican Party for. It was character counts, personal responsibility, um, strong on Russia, having a realistic view of the Soviet Union and Russia, even the national debt. I mean, these are all things that have been turned on their head in this moment. And I think that they transcend any particular vote on taxes or vote on tariffs. It's sort of like, who are you? You have to ask yourself. And are we in a world where character doesn't count? I don't think that the rest of the world is in that place. I think that the rest of the world believes character does count. And I think that ultimately that will come back uh, to haunt the Republican Party. And I hope that it comes home to what is its true best self. David Gergen. Yeah, listen, I, I think the Republican Party today, is, is Stewart's absolutely right, it's unrecognizable for anyone who's been around and, and understood what the values were. I just want to make a point, though, that when you have this outpouring coming from both sides all across the political spectrum of respect for what John McCain represented, it does suggest that there are counterpressures in this country to bring the Republican Party back to its senses. I, and right now, the Republican Party is, is embracing but, Donald Trump, you know, uh, and completely. And if he goes down, it's going to go down with him. I, uh, I, but I, uh, please, Dana, please. No, no, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. I thought you were All done. Right. I just, I just, I agree with you. And I, and I, I do have optimism, but not necessarily for a for a particular party, just about basic humanity and, and the yeah. desire among American voters to, as, as you said, David, earlier so eloquently, have leaders with character who believe in, in the basic institutions mm -hmm. um, that are so under attack right now from, you know, the, the, the mm -hmm. government institutions to institutions like uh, like the media, mm -hmm. you know, basic tenets of, of democracy. And I think that, that it has nothing to do with the Republican or Democratic Party. It's just that kind of person that people clearly are yearning for. Dana Bash, David Gergen, Stuart Stevens, thanks so much for joining us today, sharing your thoughts, sharing Thank your you. memories. Really appreciate it. So Senator McCain was a man of many talents, and one of them was a terrific, biting sense of humor. Just ahead, we'll examine that as part of his legacy. Remember, to create an ad like this one, visit purewinning.com CNN. He had a twinkle in his eye. That's what most people said after spending time with Senator McCain. Sure, he was humid and he had a caustic side. Boy, did he ever. But along with that came wit and a finely tuned sense of humor. Here's 360's Randy Kay. Good evening, my fellow Americans. I ask you, what should we be looking for in our next president? Certainly, someone who is very, very, very old. <laughs> Senator John McCain, two months after winning the 2008 Republican Party nomination, cracking Senator jokes on Saturday Night Live. One of countless opportunities the senator took to poke fun at himself. I've also opposed federal water projects, even when they benefited my state. That's why, thanks to me, 15% of Arizona citizens must get their drinking water from cactus. He was the first sitting senator to host Saturday Night Live and returned to the show many times. His comic timing, always impressive. McCain played everything from a creepy husband. You're so lovely. I could watch you for hours. Oh, my God, David. How did you get in here? The door was open, Angel. Shall I loofah your back? To a character he called Sad Grandpa. That's where I get on TV and go, 
Come on, Obama's gonna have plenty of chances to be president. It's my turn. Kane's humor wasn't always self-deprecating. He could be cutting, too. Like when someone asked him back in 2007 if he's too old to be president. And thanks for the question, you little jerk. <laughs> You're drafted. <laughs> At times, his jokes were spur of the moment, like when he did this to a CNN reporter while he was on live TV. McCain got such a kick out of himself, he tweeted about it later, calling it revenge. He liked to joke with the media, even our own Anderson Cooper during this interview in Washington, D.C. It's always good to see you here and trying to do the Lord's work in the city of Satan. <laughs> While not everyone appreciated his sarcasm, those who did often enjoyed being part of the joke, like Senator Chris Coons, who fondly remembers McCain teasing him when he was a junior senator. And he spots me. And he says, Coons, you get off my plane. And I sort of, what? <laughs> and Lindsay comes over and grabs my arm and says, that's how you know he likes you. <laughs> Whatever inspired his sense of humor, Senator John McCain left us all laughing and smiling in his memory. Randy Kay, CNN, Florida. So Maine Senator Angus King did not know John McCain personally until he arrived on Capitol Hill, but became not just colleagues, but friends, especially so on overseas trips together. And Senator King joins me now. Uh, Senator, thanks so much for being with us. It was really fun seeing John, those great moments. to be with you. Oh, yeah, fantastic. That's because, the John McCain I knew. Well, exactly. Tell us about that, because obviously he took policy very seriously, but it is so obvious that he loved to crack jokes about himself, make fun of himself, and frankly make fun of others, too. Oh, yeah. He, he, he would get after us. One of the great things about traveling with John McCain, I told somebody the other day, it was like a long march with Paul McCartney. You never stop moving. You never stop going. There was always another meeting. But also, everyone knew him everywhere in the world. People would recognize him. And, you know, it's, pretty, it's, it's a good thing for a U.S. senator to have a tourist hand you their phone and say, could you take my picture with Senator McCain? I mean, that happened all the time all over the world. And, and uh, you know, he was always very gracious. Uh, but he also always liked to, to, to ding you. One day, uh, he had a wonderful forum in, in Sedona, Arizona, which I hope will continue on foreign policy. And for two or three years, he invited me out and I spoke and participated in the forum. And then last year, I, I went over to him and said, gee, I have a conflict. I, I can't make it this year. And he looked at me and sort of squinted and said, you're dead to me. <laughs> that was it. Uh, and, and that's the kind of uh, wit that he had. He loved to, to try to cut you down. There was, a, there was this one moment. We have a clip of it from Stephen Colbert. Let me play this, and then we'll talk about it. Sure. You're the 2008 Republican candidate for president of these Thanks United States. Thanks for bringing States. that up. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> well, Thanks. listen, that's one of the Wait things... That's what, after yeah. I left, I slept like a... After I lost, I slept like a baby. Yeah? Sleep yeah. two hours, wake up and cry. Sleep two hours, wake up and cry. So the funny thing is, is I heard him tell that joke for years after the 2000 <laughs> nomination fight with George Bush, but he kept it in the repertoire and would recycle it 
over time. They're really uh, an incredible sense of humor. He was he was wonderful. And, and and by the way, John, I hope it's sometime tonight you will play his concession speech in 2008. Yep. It is a classic of graciousness and healing and urging the country to come mm-hmm. together. I mean, it's it's exactly what we need. And, uh, you know, he was just the, mm-hmm. the classiest of guys. You know, Rick Davis actually quoted directly from it uh, in the specific letter that John McCain wanted read out loud after his passing. So we did hear some of that. Senator King, I want to ask you specifically, again, you didn't know him before you got to the Senate, but then you did get to know him, and he developed an affection for you. And from what I can tell, it's because you were willing to work. I mean, yes, you're a nice, charming guy, but at the hearings that you would sit at, you would be one of the few senators to be in there for the whole hearing. And the reason that struck me is because Senator McCain, for all his heroism, for everything else, was a man of the Senate, and he wanted to get work done there. Well, and, and, and uh, every now and then, he, once he sent me a note saying, thanks for being here till the end, uh, I, I like Senate hearings. They're one of my favorite parts of the job, and I like to sit right through them. So often at the end of the hearing, it would be uh, he and Jim Inhofe and, and me, and we'd be asking final questions. And uh, I, I, I don't know whether that's what uh, made him sort of pick mm-hmm. me out and take me on the trip and out to Sedona, but... Uh, Uh, whatever it was. Now, there was a funny moment in a Senate hearing. Bill Cohen, a former senator from Maine who then was Secretary of Defense, was testifying. And at the end of his testimony, he looked up at McCain and said, now, Mr. Chairman, I would like to recognize my former governor and current senator from Maine, Senator King. McCain said, no, (laughs) cut him right off. (laughs) You know, that was uh, he he always reminded you uh, who was the who was the chairman? But uh, and, and you know we disagreed. I disagreed with him on issues from time to time. And in one memorable case, I beat him on a vote in the Armed Services Committee on the bill. I lobbied uh, uh, some of his Republican colleagues. He was pretty surprised by that, but uh, he took it graciously. It was a big deal for Maine, and and uh, you know, uh, but that was the relationship that he, that we had. I think it was mutual respect and. I also had a very poignant moment on the floor with him. Uh, I, I think it was sometime in the mm-hmm. in the winter where he knew what was coming, and it, it sort of took me aback. But he he said he said, you know, Angus, I've had a hell of a life. I've had a hell of a life. It couldn't have been any better. Mm-hmm. It's okay to go. Senator Angus King, we'll leave it there with those poignant words. Thanks so much for being with us tonight and sharing your memories. And I'll give you a little promotion. We'll see you tomorrow morning on New Day. Yes, sir. Thanks, See you, John. As we've noted, it has been an up-and-down day at the White House, especially where the American flag is concerned. Coming up, some inside news about exactly what went on and when during the inside deliberations revolving around how to remember Arizona Senator John McCain. I'm Andy Cass from March Madness 365, and on this edition of our show, I'll be joined by Syracuse's Tyus Battle. I've been just trying to improve all facets of my game, being able to be more offensive, throwing the ball different ways, shooting the ball, I think that's improved, and uh, just my playmaking ability as well. Subscribe to March Madness 365 now at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. More now on the push and pull at the White House over paying respects to John McCain. The Washington Post reports that President Trump had blocked efforts over the weekend to call the senator a, quote, hero. More on that now with Post reporter Josh Dossie, who shares a byline on that story. So, Josh, you broke the story about what was going on within the White House over what kind of statement, if any, they should release about the death of John McCain. Walk us through again what you learned. Right. So 
White House aides crafted a statement that cast John McCain as a hero and praised his service as a Vietnam uh, prisoner of war for five and a half years and for his service in the Senate. Uh, it was an official statement from the White House. Uh, on Saturday, the president was given that statement, uh, final edited version, and chose not to release it, scuttling it instead of a tweet where he uh, expressed condolences to John McCain's family, but not uh, giving him any sort of uh, adulation or compliments uh, himself. Not any direct praise to the service of John right. McCain in the military or in right. the Senate. And just to be clear, what you just said there, it was the president who nixed releasing that kind Correct. of statement. Directly. Yes, it was John Kelly, Sarah Sanders, and others crafted the statement. Uh, there was uh, widespread... Uh, agreement in the White House that something needed to be put out through official channels, and the president did not want to do it. Now, we've seen a bit of a change of yes. heart in the past uh, 24 hours. Uh, you know, there was a statement this afternoon where the president said he did respect John McCain's uh, service, even though he disagreed with him. Uh, that was the best compliment he gave, but it was more than we've seen previously. Oh, yeah. And then tonight at dinner uh, with evangelical leaders, uh, President Trump just uh, gave, you know, a little bit more praise and he respected his service and, and honored his so, time in the so country. So, Josh, the question and, is, how, how did he get to this point? Do you have any reporting on how this evolved from the no that you reported over the weekend to the right. now releasing the kind of statement that would have made this right. a non-story all along? Well, there's been widespread denunciations, even from some of the president's supporters. I mean, the American Legion, uh, probably the most prominent veterans group today, came out with a statement criticizing the president for moving the flag from back to full mast after a day. That was also subsequently reversed in a pretty uh, mm -hmm. uh, haphazard way this afternoon with the new statement. Uh, there was, you know, lots of criticism even from his own White House. A number of his aides, John Bolton, uh, Pompeo, the vice president, Ivanka Trump, his own daughter, uh, Kellyanne Conway all put out statements uh, praising John McCain and wanted the president to. He was basically on an island within his own White House. And it was clear that the condemnations and denunciations of how the president handled his death uh, were not slowing down. Uh, the president felt that he was unfairly besieged. Uh, he felt that everyone knew he didn't like John McCain, so any sort of statement would seem disingenuous. And he, uh, you know, was very reticent to seem like he was praising him lavishly. But after a while of, of two full days, essentially, or at least a day and a half of much of a story being about uh, what the critics saw as his lackluster response to the death of this American senator and, and war hero, uh, he changed course. Josh Dossie, it's been fascinating to watch. Thanks so much for you and your reporting. Thank you. Let's check in with Chris now to see what he's working on for Cuomo primetime at the top of the hour. Chris. Well, John, we're all processing right now, right? That's what you do in times of loss. The simple part of the analysis is what's motivating Trump. Uh, or what didn't motivate him, how he got stuck in yet another bad political calculation. It's simple. We know what that's about. The subtle part is, what parts do you take from John McCain? Uh, what's it like for his family? What's it like for the rest of us? What do we carry forward? We have good guests for you that tonight. Uh, we're also going to deal with a couple other types of loss. Loss of credibility within the Catholic Church. Loss of life down in Jacksonville. And also, let's be honest, a lack, a loss of attention down there. Uh, why? Why didn't we care about it this time? What does it say about us? We're going to get into all of it deeply tonight. All right. Looking forward to it. Chris Cuomo, thanks so much. Next, the latest on plans for remembering John McCain. Hey, it's Howard Beck, and I've got former NBA champion and current Yes Analyst Richard Jefferson on Bleacher Report's The Full 48. 
for me, winning the championship just validated, you know, me from a standpoint of like, all I ever wanted to do was win. All I ever wanted to do was win on a high, high level. And so to get that, then it just made everything feel like it was worth it. The Full 48 is now available on Spotify. And of course, you can always listen and subscribe on the Bleacher Report app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Former Presidents George W. Bush and Barack Obama will pay tribute to Senator John McCain at his memorial service at the National Cathedral this Saturday. The details are starting to come together what will happen in the days leading up to his burial, a week of honoring a true statesman and an American hero. Miguel Marquez is in Phoenix and he joins us now with more. Miguel, what details are we learning? Yeah, it is so hard to say goodbye to John McCain, but this is the week, the beginning of a long goodbye to Senator John McCain. On Wednesday, he will lay in state here in the capital uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. On Thursday, there will be a service here in Phoenix, a procession up there. Uh, Well-wishers are invited to line the route up there. I'm sure there will be many. Thursday afternoon, he'll be transferred to Andrews Air Force Base outside of Washington, D.C. by the Arizona National Guard. And on Friday, he will lie in state in the rotunda of the U.S. Capitol. Uh, On Saturday, he will be moved from the U.S. Capitol to the National Cathedral by procession in Washington, D.C. And then on Sunday, he'll be moved from Washington to his beloved Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, where there will be a private ceremony there, and he will finally be interred Mm -hmm. Sunday afternoon at Annapolis. John? Miguel, we know about former Presidents Bush and Obama, but who are some of the other notable speakers? It is incredible to read the number of individuals, the number of people that this man touched, not only in the U.S., but around the world. And that, look, there are processions, there are services, there are prayers, there are celebrations of his life along the way. To name a few, not just the former presidents, but uh, Joe Biden and Mike Pence, the sitting vice president. Henry Kissinger, actor Warren Beatty, will take part in some of these events. And then during his final remembrance at Annapolis, uh, uh, General David Petraeus, uh, Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York, and uh, the sitting Secretary of Defense, James Mattis, will all take part. Some of these pallbearers, some of these, some of these people speaking uh, during these events. The one person of, in all of these events that is not on any of it, notably, is mm-hmm. sitting President Donald Trump. I, I, I am sure for all of these people it will be hard for them, but an honor also to speak on behalf of their friend. I was also struck by the presence of Joe Biden, and the McCain family has said that Joe Biden, they're almost treating him like a family member this week, as he has dealt with a similar loss, the loss of his son, Boda, the same cancer. Yeah. Absolutely. He's going to be speaking here at the service in Phoenix on Thursday. So a very special place reserved for Joe Biden. He'll then take part in uh, other services down the road. Just um, it's incredible the number of not only politicians across the political divide that will be gathering this week. Miguel Marquez, thank you very, very much. Uh, A reminder, don't miss Full Circle 360's daily interactive newscast on Facebook where you pick up some of the stories you get covered. You can also see it weeknights at 625 Eastern at Facebook.com slash Anderson Cooper Full Circle. The news continues, so we'll hand it over to Chris Cuomo. Cuomo Primetime starts now. Are you ready to learn how to build a better consulting or professional services company? Then download the Liston.io show for the best sales and marketing advice so you can deliver your services to the people who need you the most. On the show, I'll be interviewing the smartest people in the industry to share what they know about building a better consulting business. 
I'll also give you episodes where I tell you specifically how to sell your services with confidence and how to transform into an influential leader in your industry. Your happy clients probably want to help you. It's too hard for them right now. You're asking them to do too much of the selling that you should be doing. Yeah, it's going to move. It's going to change. It's going to disrupt you at some point in time. Your most loyal clients are your most profitable. Ready to learn how other people are building the consulting company you've always wanted? Download the Liston.io show spelled L-I-S-T-O-N dot I-O wherever you get your podcasts. Before you go, we wanted to let you know that we just launched the ability for anyone to advertise on CNN Podcasts. You're just a few clicks away from reaching millions of people in a way that you never have before. Advertise for a business event or kick off an awareness campaign for your brand. Start today at purewinning.com slash CNN. Integrating podcasts into your marketing mix has never been easier. Go to purewinning.com slash CNN to get started.